Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. and thank you for coming back to the Squiggly Careers podcast if you are a regular listener and if you are not if you're new here then welcome for you we'll tell you a little bit about who we are and what we talk about each week so you know what this podcast is all about so I'm Helen Tupper and I'm here with the co-founder of Amazing If Sarah Ellis Hi, everybody. And each week we take a topic that we know is relevant to you in the squiggly world of careers. And what Amazing If is all about is helping you to develop the skills to succeed in a squiggly career. And so before we go on to what this podcast is all about this week, I'm just going to hand over to Sarah just to give you a bit of context in what is a squiggly career all about. Yeah, we talk about squiggly careers all the time. So we just thought, let's try and summarise what are the key characteristics of what we mean when we say squiggly career. Um, I think there are three things. One, uh, that there is lots of change in a squiggly career. Two, uncertainty. And three, possibility. So change, uncertainty and possibility. And I think for all of us now, that's a reality in our careers. So even if we're maybe in quite a traditional organisation or feel still feel like we're climbing something that would feel a bit more like a career ladder, I think though the nature of the sort of work we're doing, um, the things that we're all going to be doing in the future will all be characterised by the fact there is lots more change, you know, driven by things like, you know, how, how work, the future of work and how, um, you know, lots more people are going to be freelancing in the future. We can all travel lots more, uh, technology. So there are lots of kind of factors or inputs that have me- that means that our careers now feel less straightforward and less predictable and just way more squiggly. Um, and I guess the reason that we started Amazing If and that we do this podcast is we recognise that those squiggly careers that we're all either experiencing or likely to experience feel amazing when you can grasp that opportunity um, and really make it work for you but can also feel quite overwhelming like there's lots of expectation and what we try to do is give you some hints tips share some of our stories that just help you navigate your squiggly career um, and really enjoy what you do every day. And so this week we're doing something a little bit different. We normally take kind of quite a big chunky theme. So uh, recently we did a podcast on stress and we've done one on um, career possibilities and how to find new jobs, all kinds of big, big chunky themes. But this week we're actually going to do a Q&A. We tend to do podcasts both on things that we think are really important, but also things that our community ask us to cover. And sometimes some of those things that we get asked to cover um, aren't 
significant enough, I suppose, for our whole podcast to be on them. But we know that they're still really important and that we can still help people by giving them some um, some ideas and some tools. So this is a Q&A podcast. Uh, we've taken some of the main questions we've had over the past couple of weeks um, from different places on social media. And we're going to do four of those questions today and try and help those individuals, but also hopefully help you if you've had similar similar things in the past. We're going to give you some of our um, experience and ideas to help you overcome those things as well. So then, our first question for tonight has been sent to us by Rachel on Twitter, uh, who said that I'm about to become a manager for the first time, but I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that uh, Rachel, we didn't get into the gist of it because I think that this is just over um, over Twitter, so it's quite a short message to us. But I would imagine she's um, dealing with some things. Um, maybe a, a kind of a bit of a fear of the unknown. There's a confidence thing. There might just be a practicalities of how do you actually manage people. So, um, Sarah, we've both been managing for quite a long time now. Do you yeah. remember the first time when you were a manager and how it felt? Yeah, it's a, it a good question, actually. I was thinking about this. Um, and I do, I do remember the first time I became a manager because for me, um, it was a really big deal. I remember thinking, I, almost that was part of me feeling like I'd made it a bit you know the fact that you uh, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're a manager you're in that kind of position um and I think you know t- to be clear I think I was managing one person um and you know that it was probably somebody very early in their career uh, so I definitely um took it very seriously and I felt I, I did kind of feel the weight of responsibility um and I remember being really excited about it but I think to your point lots of people become managers and some organizations but lots don't give you any training or development on on what does it actually mean to be a manager what does being a great manager look like and so people often um i think find their way through through working out what it means to be a manager and you know sometimes really successfully but i do think there are some hints and tips that people can think about if you're you know becoming a manager for the first time so the three things that I thought about that really kind of helped me, and I have to say, I don't think I got these right first time. So this is definitely me like trying to <laughs> sound, like perfect, sound like, yeah, wise <laughs> in retrospect, like, oh yeah, I did these all things, but I totally didn't. Um, but this is what I would definitely suggest to anyone, to be honest, whether you're a first time manager or managing today. The first one is not to make assumptions that what's important to you um, or how you like to work is the same for the people who are working with you and for you. Um, I think it's really easy to think, well, this is how I would like to be managed and therefore that's that's what I'm going to do. That's my approach. But that also assumes that you've only recruited people like you, um, which is not a good thing. So uh, just be careful not to almost apply everything that you would want to happen uh, to yourself, to all of your team. Don't be afraid, I think, to ask people how would somebody like to work with you? I wouldn't say, how do you want to be managed? Because that sounds like you're going to yeah. be kind of all over them every day. And <laughs> yeah. that already sounds like a nightmare. But, um, you know, I, I would I would definitely now ask people who work with me, you know, how do you want to work together? What works really well for you? Um, are you somebody who, you know, somebody who really likes to kind of prepare and be really organised and, um, you know, have have uh, quite structured meetings? Or actually are you someone who really appreciates um, ad hoc chats as we go? You know, what, what's, ask people about their style, what's their preference. Um, and also observe that, be um, open to kind of watching how people work, who work with you and, and learn from that and think about your style. So that'd be uh, tip number one. Uh, right. Tip number two, um, which I think you continually need to work on, is that balance between um, giving people enough space to excel and, you know, take accountability 
and um, also being really clear on what it is you need people to deliver. Because uh, I guess the flip side of both of those things when you don't get them right is micromanagement, which I hear so much in terms of the thing that people hate the most. So, you know, not not um, not giving stuff up, not delegating. I think probably particularly when you're a first-time manager, this feels harder because you I go from... Say, I think this one is really hard, that yeah. balance. Because I don't think I've cracked this. I definitely go, I, you know, I really value freedom. So I'd say I'd probably go too far in, in terms mm. of giving people too much space sometimes because I, I fear being micromanaged myself so yeah. much. But it is, um, I kind of think on day one of being a first-time manager, cracking this balance is probably quite tricky. But just yeah. being aware that this balance exists and maybe tuning into where you might be sort of leaning too much one way or the other. Yeah, and you know, the best person I've worked for in terms of leadership, what she was brilliant at was knowing that this is um, a constant state of uh, kind of consideration. Mm. So she was really good at being able to dive in when she needed to and then really good at being able to step back out again. So she was really dynamic, I guess, in her leadership. Um, There is one really good book on um, this that is really helpful called Why Should Anyone Be Led By You? Um, She's by a guy called Rob Joffe and one of the things that he talks about is, you know, the there's no blueprint for being a brilliant leader but actually one of the things that uh one of the characteristics that the best leaders have in common is they're very good at this kind of uh approach of knowing when to get really involved and when people need help and support and then leaving people to it uh you know at the right times as well so that's tip number two and then tip number three um kind of back to that point about there's no blueprint everybody does uh, line management and leadership differently. There is definitely no one like right way to do it. And I think when I started leading, I was kind of seeking, well, you know, tell me, tell me the answer, you know, like mm-hmm. tell me how to do this really well. And I'll definitely go and do it. So I'm super keen. Just, just tell me to like, tell me what I need to do. And what you start to realize is actually you need to develop your own style and your own approach and take the um, best bits from the people you've worked with or the people around you and then adopt those for yourself. So this is this is a, a time where I think comparison is is not that useful. You know, if you're comparing how you're line managing to, you know, somebody who's been doing it for 10 or 15 years, uh, that you know, that's not useful. Actually, just think about it within your own context um, and just, you know, keep working at doing it in the best way for you. So don't try to lose all of the stuff that's got you to where you are just because mm. you're now managing somebody. Yeah, I think that's really good. You've got to be authentic, haven't you, as a manager? And my top tip to finish on this one is, um, and I think this is so true, um, I think your manager has such a massive impact on how you feel about work. Um, I think it's, I'm sure that I've seen some research that it's kind of the single most important factor day to day in terms of how much you enjoy your job, uh, which I reckon most of us can really relate to. So if your manager is what you go home and talk to like your partner or your friends about, it can kind of go one or two ways, can't it? They could be the person you're really complaining about and going, they're making my life a nightmare, etc. Or you can have a really positive impact on someone. So I always try to think about what do I want someone to say about me when I'm not there? And then am I acting, behaving, taking the right actions to make that happen? And that doesn't mean I want everyone to be best friends with me or to really like me or anything like that. It it just uh, helps to guide me in terms of Am I dedicating time to um, the right things? 
And I think maybe one thing that I'd add to this as well. So I've got a team at the moment I work at Microsoft and I've got a team of 12 people that directly report into me. I've kind of a wider team, but 12 direct reports, which is quite a lot, mm. actually. I'm and sure they, I'm sure there's evidence to show it's like eight, I think you're meant to have. It's yeah, like the it's maximum. Not, I'll be really honest. It's not ideal. I don't, I've kind of sometimes feel that I'm compromised on how much time I can spend yeah, with it's a lot. But what I have noticed, particularly in in this role, I've got very different people that work for me, everybody from um, kind of sort of graduate level people in my team to very, very tenured, experienced people. Yeah. And I... I don't know that I've got some kind of magic source for how I manage everybody. But what I do know is that I genuinely care about the people that I manage. And I think that is such an important... Management's a real responsibility to the point that you said about... You have the impact of someone going home and either having a great day or a bad day because of you and that can be the most influential part of that day and so I think it is a responsibility it's much more than just a job to me and so I genuinely care about uh, how my team are growing how they're feeling are they doing work that is fulfilling to them and I might not know every management tool in the in the book and I might not follow every single process that I should follow but I know that if I just do that if I just care and I just listen then I think I've done a bit more than maybe some people who might have managed my team before yeah you know as individuals less as the people that did my job before but more as individuals and so I think if you're really lost and you're in, in the first job and you're like, oh, I don't know what management book to read or obviously Sarah had some amazing tips there and I think they are you know so I still use some of those now and it's a kind of a reminder to me but in spite of those tips just care about people and listen to them and that will go a long way to you building a strong management relationship with them and don't you know don't try and be you're not going to be perfect overnight you know give yourself the time and space to learn (laughs) yeah that's true actually I mean I mean speak for yourself clearly but um um, but I do think you know that you put quite a lot of expectation on yourself I think because often when you get into these jobs it's often you know a step up for you so the expectations in terms of what you're then doing do grow um and you, you know you can end up putting loads of pressure on yourself and I think that idea of just you know take that first 100 days or 90 days is a bit of a cliche to make sure that you're mainly you know listening learning don't feel like you have to go in there and kind of very quickly change everything Shall we go on to the next question? Shall I, can I ask Let's the next one? I feel okay, like I, on. I want to be like on the university you challenge, asking me. all the okay. questions. <laughs> <laughs> so Helen, okay, interview me. I'm going to be the interview candidate. Yeah, Helen, can can you? I'd like you to answer this question for me. <laughs> um, so this is actually a question we had um, at one of our monthly events uh, from Sam, um, who said uh, that her company don't actually provide any training. Um, so what can she do in terms of her development? And I think this is something we hear quite commonly in terms of mm. you know, I've either asked for training and someone's told me no or my company just don't have any kind of training available. Uh, so where should people start? I've got loads of loads of thoughts on this because um, I love I love learning and I hate being dependent. So I have these two values that sometimes conflict with each other. So I love freedom and I love growth and, it, um, and sometimes organisations might tie you in. So to, um, you know, for example, if you... If you want some money to do a course, for example, sometimes some organisations make you sign an agreement to get that to get that funding. And that's absolutely fine because they want to get ROI on your investment. But because I like freedom and I hate being tied down to things, I think I've found lots of different ways to learn, which I hopefully I can share with, with you and also with Sam who asked the question, so that you are not dependent on your organisation or other people to fuel, fuel your learning. Um, and I think the first thing, the first obvious thing that I would say is don't dismiss learning on the job. Yeah. So a lot of people might 
go, oh, well, but I really want to go on a course. And I will come to that. There are definite ways you can go on a course and your company doesn't have to pay for it. But I think most importantly, think about how much learning your job has to give you. And the way that you um, convert that into something that's really actionable rather than just, oh, your job's a really great source of learning is to be very intentional about what you want to learn. So for example, if I want to learn how to uh, be a better presenter, for example, let's say that's something that's important to me, then what I would do at work is I would scan around for those people that I think have got some great skills and I might ask them to give me a bit of peer-to-peer coaching on how they do it and maybe they could give me some feedback in the moment um, and I would use that. That would be a really good source of learning or maybe it's a particular technical skill set. So we've got some designers. I work in the um, central marketing organization at Microsoft and we've got some designers in that team and maybe I could ask them to give me some design tips so that when I'm creating content, it kind of uh, resonates with people a little bit more. Whatever that thing is, you work, with, even if you're in a small organization, you're working with people that have got different skill sets and different knowledge to you. And all you've got to do is be really specific about what you want to learn and you can tap into that knowledge. And I think a lot of people just sort of I don't know, a lot of people might look to, oh, I need a course or I need yeah. I need to go on that program. And I actually think there's just a wealth of learning that you can get from the people around you if you are specific enough about what that thing is you want to know. And it's a bit of an old school model, but um, I still think it's useful. Uh, when people look at how people learn, there's this model called like the 70-20-10 model, which uh, demonstrates that 70% of actually what we learn at work is through our day-to-day jobs. And particularly if we are intentional about making sure that we are trying to stretch ourselves, looking for growth opportunities, etc. 20% is through mentoring and coaching. And actually only 10% is more formal learning, which is, you know, something like a course or doing something kind of outside of your day to day remit. Now, you know, that's been around for a long time and it's definitely not perfect, but... I do often think a bit in that way and kind of to really make sure, I guess, that I'm spending enough time reflecting and really pushing myself in terms of am I learning as I go, not just from going to have a chat with a mentor or going to a course in an evening. Yeah. And I think I know that some people are listening and they will they will they will listen to this and understand it but they'll really be thinking but I just want to go on some courses so let's let you we do think that's the most important source of learning but there are lots of courses and things that you can do and if you're thinking about how do I fund them some of these ideas might help there so I think the first thing is look online because you're going to get the biggest breadth and also I think the most cost-effective way of learning now online and there are things that both Sarah and I have used like Skillshare we've yeah. done sort of I think both done some marketing courses I've done some um, design courses on there as well on Skillshare but they've got a wide range of programs there's another one called um, Udemy which is um, I'll, I'll do links to all of this on I've when not we heard post that this. one it's um, so similar similar context U-D-E-M-Y but okay. again I'll post all of these links when we when the podcast goes live similar to Skillshare um, and then another one that's really good maybe a bit more academic actually is Coursera So you have a lot of the, actually quite a lot of US universities will put on programs on Coursera. I should have founded that because that sounds a bit like Sarah at the end. Coursera, okay. okay. (laughs) I mean, it's not spelled like that. Coursellan. (laughs) Oh no, that's not as good. That's going to be my business. You don't get to be in that one. (laughs) I think it's gone. Uh, But yeah, so that one's a lot of, uh, yeah, quite a lot of US universities who are putting programs on everything from, you know, data analytics to international business to 
presenting with influence loads of different things i think i've done some innovation courses on there as well yeah um yeah some of them are free some of them are sort of about 10 pounds not a huge amount of money particularly if you're you know you're genuinely committed to investing in your learning i don't think 10 pounds for a course is a lot of money if you're going to do that do you know one um, of my so favorite I... ones can i do one of my on. favorites yeah. um is called the idler academy Mm-hmm. Um, as in to be idle, which sounds like the opposite of what you'd want if you're going to be super proactive and go and do some <laughs> learning. But actually, I really like uh, their courses because they often relate to work, um, but are not sort of directly kind of in the work day to day. So it might be on things like uh, copywriting or how to write. Um, sometimes they're more kind of around things like philosophy or uh, resilience, um, starting your own business. They do um, some courses that you can actually go to, but they actually do quite a lot now that are available online. And again, they're really reasonable. Um, And I think they also might appeal if you want to, um, you know, just spend some time on some things that may be slightly different to your day to day, Mm. but then do have application. Yeah, that's a good one. I've not done any of those, actually, so I should look. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Also, uh, look for local events on Eventbrite. So these are quite good if you want to maybe build a bit of a community or a network around the thing that you're interested in. Um, so that's just I think eventbrite.com. Um, loads of different things on there um, that you can enjoy. In fact, we put um, amazing if courses on there as well. Uh, and the last thing is uh, look out for awards and scholarships. So let's say there is something a bit more significant then maybe there's a qualification that you want to get so for example Sarah and I over the past couple of years have both got MBAs um, mine was funded through a scholarship that I won and I think Sarah yours was funded by your organization yeah so yeah they actually just paid for that one but I have I went to uh, Harvard a couple of years later um, yeah and that, which is also and that was all funded through an award but I was thinking that I guess awards, scholarships, asking your company, there are definitely ways if there's something really significant you want to learn, there are definitely ways that you can apply for that. But you you do have to, 
you know, if it's for your company, you'll have to put a business case together. If it's for um, an award, you might have to put um, a presentation or something together for the sorts of the ones that Sarah and I have done in the past. But I think it is possible. I, my answer would be to you, if you're thinking, oh, my company don't provide that funding, look at other ways, look at those awards, look at those scholarships. If you're really committed, I think those, those sources of learning exist for you. You've just got to put the effort in and also not expect your employer to provide it. You're very, very lucky if they do, and that's great. But if they don't, don't let that hold you back. Just put a bit more effort into looking at the different sources that you can you can find that learning from. And also, uh, from my personal experience, keep asking. So, I, <laughs> if, so you've, if you've got something in mind and it, that you specifically would like to do. So um, I qualified to be a, kind of a career coach a couple of years ago and I wanted to get some funding for my organisation. And you know, one of the things that I, I suggested that is that I was prepared to fund some of it myself because I recognised it was beneficial for the organisation, but it was also beneficial for me and something that I was kind of personally passionate about and wasn't probably absolutely core to my day to day. And then, you know, we we actually talked probably for over a year in terms of the best way to learn those things. I went off and did some other things, but I had in the back of my mind a particular programme I wanted to do. And actually, you know, I gave the organisation time to think about it. I I was very open to exploring other possibilities, which I I genuinely would have looked at. And then actually over time, I think when it was clear that I was really dedicated to it, I'd gone and done some things myself. Actually, they'd never quite said no, but it was sort of like, oh, we're not really sure. It was quite vague. Mm. And I didn't just go back every other week and just go, well, what about that? What about that? I, I just tried to keep kind of timing it at the right time in terms of whether it was development conversations or, you know, ideally if I'd done something really great. I was like, oh, okay. Maybe we should talk about <laughs> that that development thing that's really important to me. Um, and yeah, you know, if anything, I think they admired my perseverance, so that was good. <laughs> and you achieved it, so yeah, that's I think true. It, it shows it shows that's... the value of that perseverance. Yeah, yeah. So the next question is from Nick, um, and this one came over on email, and he asked. I want to get a job in an area that I don't have experience in yet. Where do I start? That's a good one. Um, And I think that's a really good one in the context of squiggly careers as well, because I think more people will uh, want to experiment um, Mm. and explore like different possibilities to maybe the one they're in today. And it's a really common thing I think we see actually when people come um, on Amazing If courses is people maybe having done five or seven years worth of experience in a certain industry or certain role and then thinking, oh, do you know what? I'd quite like to try something different now. And that can actually feel really hard. The first thing I'd really encourage people to do if you're thinking about transitioning into something um, different is don't forget all the stuff that you've got that will be transferable, particularly behaviours. So there might be some skill sets that you don't have that you do need to learn, but you'll definitely take something from what you've already got in terms of things you've done previously with you and try and work out how that could be beneficial. And even in my own experience, I've recently moved into a a much smaller organisation, quite a different style of kind of creative company. And previously I've worked in very big brands like Sainsbury's and Barclays, so in lots of ways, that was me, uh, you know, mm-hmm. six, three months ago, I was moving from lots of experience in marketing roles in very big brands into, you know, running a very small creative company. And some of my certain, like my, my specific technical skill sets are definitely less useful. But what I can bring are things like people development, the ability to develop a vision and strategy and kind of hopefully inspire people to follow that. Um, I, you know, my passion for people, ability to build brilliant relationships 
And actually, if you think about it, those sorts of things I've just described would be useful in lots of the companies, probably the people who are listening, and in lots of roles. So mm. just don't forget all that stuff you've already got would be where I'd start. And my second idea would be um, think about how you can get some of the experiences that you might need in that next role through different means. So whether that's um, getting some industry knowledge through going to events, whether that's um, you know doing small bits of side projects, whether that's volunteering for something, um, try and kind of build up your network a little bit in the area that you're interested in. Like today, actually, completely coincidentally, um, because I'm somebody who has moved, as I kind of just talked about, from being in big brands to in a smaller creative company, quite a few people um, have actually contacted me directly and said, oh, that's quite an unusual thing to do because there's not many people who do it. Uh, can I talk to you about how you did that? Because uh, it's something I'm interested in in the future. And most of the time, if I can make the time, I say yes to those people. So try and find maybe some people who might have come from similar background to you and have made the sort of move that you're looking to make. Because I know that when I was going for this job that I'm in now, I went and spoke to some people who'd done it. And again, they all gave me some advice and some things to think about. And, and they might have some ideas about how you can gain some of that experience. And I also think it's okay to try and gain some of that experience in your day job. Because you, yeah. you might not be looking to move there and then. You might be thinking, well, I'd quite like to go and do that in a year or in 18 months. So... Again, are there things in your current role or in your current organisation where it'd be beneficial for the organisation, but also really useful for you and tee you up really well for where you might go in the future? And I think if you're just kind of to Nick specifically, um, if you're trying to do quite a big leap into somewhere different, it might not happen overnight. So a lot of what Sarah said will take some time um, being able to know what your transferable skills and your behaviours are, um, gaining some experience. And that's fine because this this is going to be a really, hopefully a really rewarding, interesting move to you. So just don't just don't think it's going to happen overnight. It might do. You might get really lucky. Um, but otherwise, just keep just keep building your profile, keep getting those transferable skills um, and, and, and keep getting the experience that's going to mean that when you do get an opportunity to talk to someone in the area that you want to go to, you've got this like kit bag of stuff that you can talk about. So it's almost saying, I know I'm not doing this job at the moment but this is what I've done in this area this is who I've had a conversation with this is how I know I can apply my strengths in this context and when you've got that actually I think you're standing pretty strong versus somebody who might have been in that role or industry for a while who might not be as keen or enthusiastic as you because you're showing a lot of growth mindset in in making that transition yeah I think be really careful not to apologize for things you don't have because I do see that um, quite a lot from people, you know, they'll be like, oh, I know I've not got this, or I know I've not got that. I think, well, think just think about what you have got and, you know, recognise and acknowledge that having diversity of people and backgrounds and ideas is a really great thing in every team and in every organisation. So, you know, focus on, on the positives. Of course, be mindful of and, and smart about, you know, where you've got gaps and how you're addressing those. But if I was interviewing somebody who you know, had really, were really clear about the value they could add. I felt that would be useful, but they hadn't maybe got the exact background of people that maybe I would expect. But they showed a real kind of willingness to learn, you know, like brilliant attitude. Then you just, you're basically recruiting for potential then, aren't you? You're, exactly, th- yeah. That, and that's the there's point. much more of that going on now. Um, and I think it's a really positive thing because that recruiting for potential is really important because you need people that can cope with all the change and keep developing way more relevant to the world of squiggly careers as well shall i Um, do the last question 
Go on, yes. The last question's a hard one, actually, so I'll ask it and then you can answer it. (laughs) Thanks for that. (laughs) Um, So, last question from Eve on Instagram. Um, She messages to say that she's feeling uh, really stuck in her job. She's applied for things, uh, nothing's quite come off yet, um, and she's not sure what to do next, which I think is a feeling we've all had. You know, you just feel really trapped. um, And often by this point, you're usually not that happy in your current role. Um, I think the job process can go on for ages. I hear so many examples of how like bad a job process can be in terms of people just not even responding to you you don't get feedback uh, you just don't hear back for weeks um so it's, I do think applying for jobs is really tough so what what's your advice Helen if you're sort of feeling that you know demotivated you're a bit stuck um do you take a pause do you approach it in a different way what would you do <laughs> so do you know what? it is hard but I actually I actually have an answer and I'm the right. answer for this um because I because I've, people have come to me before about it right, I okay. think also I have changed roles quite a lot so um I think I have a bit of a, a, t- a toolkit for how you go about this, which doesn't mean it's foolproof, but I do think it, it helps. And what I find that a lot of the time when people are saying, oh, I'm a bit stuck in the job, is that they've only taken on like one part of my strategy that I'm about to talk to. Right. Um, and that 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 is they've just applied for jobs online on some online jobs website and they're disappointed that they're not getting, they're not hearing back. Okay. And I actually think you need to do a couple of things at the same time to really make this work for you if you're really serious about wanting to look at your next role i'm also talking as well about the next role being outside of your company because i think um that is a different approach to thinking about your next role in your company and that's still a good thing to do as well but my tips are you've got to the point where you've decided you want to leave your company yeah these are the three things that i would do okay hit me hit me so the the, hit you hit you hit you um so the first thing is about finding some specific recruiters and recruitment consultants and meeting with them so a lot of people will just post their cv or they'll apply cold to jobs on jobs boards and i just think that is that is a hard game to play because you're up against a lot of cvs they don't know you you're lucky if you get through that some people do a lot of people don't so find some recruiters if you depending on what industry you are it will be represented by some recruiters who just deal in that space or have a specialism in that space you know accountancy marketing you know procurement whatever it is there will be some recruiters that specifically focus on that instead of just applying for a job i would start out with finding a name of someone at that um, recruitment company sending them your cv and asking for a conversation with them and my experience has been that once you have met with a recruiter face to face they understand you more they understand where they can place you and they're much more likely to connect you to opportunities than if you were just a generic cv that lands in their inbox that they can sort of more easily dismiss so tip number one find specific recruiters get in touch with them meet them yeah help them to understand what you're all about and how they can place you great effectively um tip number two rather than just looking at um jobs boards actually be a bit more specific about five companies that you really want to work at and set up jobs postings for them because actually a lot of the time those postings just exist on those companies websites they don't always get farmed out to all the recruitment sites that you must be looking at so set up some searches set up some alerts a lot of those companies will have you know you can put in the your keywords or your job titles and it will email you alerts as soon as those jobs get posted and that means that you can be again you can be more specific specific and you can be really responsive when those jobs goes live on those companies websites 
And my third tip is to contact some key people in your network that can make introductions. So they can make introductions into those companies that you're interested in, for example, or they can make introductions into people who might be doing the job that you want to do. Uh, I don't mean the exact job because yeah. that would probably be a bit aggressive. But Hello, maybe, I'd, like maybe. Your, I'd like your job, please. Yeah, great. <laughs> Let's say you want to do um, you want to do a specific sales job and they know somebody who is also in a sales job, a different one, then they can maybe give you some advice, tell you what networks, give you some, maybe like have a review of your CV. But I think the the gem in this is to get these three things, this kind of recruiter, target companies and your network all working together Um, and that takes effort and that's why I think you've got to be really committed if you decide you want to move on this is the sort of effort I think you need to get you out of being stuck in a job Um, it's worked it's definitely worked for me in the past Um, so I would I will do that again in the future and I definitely advise and support people in doing that for themselves yeah I almost my experience has been you sort of have to spread your bets a bit so Mm. um, I've always done all of those three things that you've described and some of them have worked better for me than others so I've never actually got a job through a recruiter ever um I've, no I have yeah and uh, I know because I think I've spoken to some of the same ones that you've spoken to <laughs> probably because uh, <laughs> you know you introduced me but um you know so for me but I've but every time I've looked for a job I have still spoken to and met recruiters it's just that route for me has never worked out for whatever reason targeting companies has worked so um when I was at Barclays, I specifically, one of the my target companies was going to work at Sainsbury's. Um, and genuinely, it was my boss at the time in Barclays who introduced me to the lady that went on to be my boss at Sainsbury's. Um, <laughs> you know, I was lucky. I was able to have a very open conversation about what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go and do it right there and then. So actually, I could build up that relationship over a long period of time. And that, that did work out in that one instance. But there would have been other companies I would have been thinking about and looking at as well that you know, didn't come to fruition or maybe I found out a bit more about and they didn't quite work. I also think um, don't neglect your LinkedIn profile or if you're on something like The Dots, which is um, also like LinkedIn, make sure those profiles are up to date in terms of, you know, communicating your strengths, got uh, recommendations I think are really helpful, particularly when you're looking for roles. Um, Make sure you've got, uh, you know, all of your different experience. If you do anything, uh, you'll volunteer for anything or any extra organisations, just make sure it's, uh, accurate, up to date, reflects you in the kind of best way possible. Because I can't remember what the stat is, but I'm sure I read something like 90% of uh, recruiters, whether it's an individual or a, in an organisation or a recruiter, now look at people's LinkedIn profile before they interview them or after yeah. they interview them. Um, and it's just one of those. I think it's um, almost. Like, I don't think it'll get you a job by having an amazing LinkedIn profile, but it might make somebody think twice if someone, you know. I don't know, the LinkedIn profile didn't quite match their CV because you've not quite yeah. done the due diligence or something. I don't know. And I think if you've got um, if you've got a friend or a colleague that you can trust, I would do some kind of like peer-to-peer review of your CV and your LinkedIn profile. Get them to give you some good feedback idea. on how it comes across. Is it consistent in both places? Because those people that are going to be looking at you for jobs are going to be looking in both places. And if you're saying wildly different things, if your dates don't match or whatever else you've got in those different places, it's better that a friend can call that out than it it affects you getting to an interview stage for a role. And I think we did a podcast on career possibilities. I we feel. did. Like I think we like talked about that one. Career possibilities. Yes, we did. <laughs> you know, and like we've done. I don't know how many we've done now since the start of the year. Forty. I think we're. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's racking up every week. Yeah, so I can't now remember every single one we've done. Um, so yeah, definitely have a listen to that as well if you're thinking about jobs and where to start and looking at different things. 
I've enjoyed today and doing all of our Q&As. I feel like we've been a career agony ant. (laughs) (laughs) I think we could do with some feedback. This is quite different to what we normally do because we normally take on a single theme. So um, if you're listening, do drop us a line uh, in all the places that you can drop us lines. So uh, get in touch at amazingif.com is our email or you can find us on Twitter, amazing underscore if or on Instagram, amazing if, all those places. But actually it'd be really good to get some feedback. Should we do this? I was thinking, Sarah, maybe a monthly basis we could do like a monthly careers q a um, and yeah. people could send their things through are we now just having or like actually... a chat about what we want to do well everyone yeah, listens exactly with our with our <laughs> lovely listeners um so yeah help us because um really we 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 do this to you know to help you and help the community so if this is something you want us to do again let us know um and if you don't if we don't hear from anybody we might just revert to our normal kind of monthly our weekly themes that we do um and next week we are going to do another kind of deep deep dive into a topic um which will be how to manage your manager uh so always a a fun one and a a (laughs) challenging one to get right um and helen and i will need to kind of try and do that without getting fired i suspect (laughs) (laughs) given the point given how transparent we always are and sharing all of our stories so thanks again everybody for listening and we'll see you next week bye for now bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.